Hey, little buddies, it's Uncle Rick from the Uncle Rick Audio Book Club. Delighted to be with you today for our weekly podcast. Today I am reading to you from Fanny Crosby's story of 94 years. You ever heard of Fanny Crosby? She was a blind lady who memorized tons of scripture and turned much of it into beautiful hymns. If you're fortunate enough to be in a church where they still use a hymn book, you will probably see Fanny's name on many of those great old songs of the faith. Even though she was blinded at three weeks old by a mistaken medical treatment, she was never bitter or resentful or sad that she was blind. And if you listen to my reading of this entire book, you'll find out that she had a wonderful testimony of joy. She once said, and this is to paraphrase, not her exact word, but she said, I'm glad that I didn't have my eyesight because if I had been able to see all the beautiful things of this world, I might have appreciated the beauty of the Lord the most. And when some news reporter or somebody once asked her what she most wanted to see, she said, I'm just happy that the first thing I will see when I get into heaven is my Savior's face. So today we're going to read something from the life story of this wonderful, wonderful lady. And it begins with making the best of everything. And here's a verse from one of her hymns. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not in vain that morn shall tearless be. Well, I suppose it might have been worse, said Aunt Fanny. No one was drowned. I've long since learned that what can't be cured must be endured. Some days are good, some days are ill, but it never pays to murmur, and it's useless to worry. It was the morning after a severe storm. Before bedtime, the night before, the winds had begun to howl. Don't you love the way I say that? Howl! And... The incoming tide played havoc with the docks, bridges, and boats. At daybreak, it looked as if a great, cruel hand had been tearing things to shivers. I described the wake of the storm to Aunt Fanny, and this was her reply. Yes, she went on. Years ago, I made up my mind to make the best of everything. I was brought to this decision by hearing my old friend Dr. Deems recite, Dear friend, the world is wide in time and tide, and God is guide, then do not hurry. That man is blessed who does his best and leaves the rest. Then do not worry. In my quiet moments, I say to myself, Fanny, there are many worse things than blindness that might have happened to you. The loss of the mind is a thousand times worse than the loss of the eyes. Then I might have been speechless and deaf. I do not know, but on the whole, it's been a good thing that I've been blind. How in the world could I have lived such a helpful life as I've lived had I not been blind? I am very well satisfied. I never let anything trouble me, and to my implicit faith and to my implicit trust in my Heavenly Father's goodness, I attribute my good health and long life. If I didn't get the thing I wanted one day, well, I'd usually get it the next. If not, then, well, I realized that it wasn't good for me to have it at all. In the case of my loss of sight, I can see how the Lord permitted it. He didn't order it, He permitted it. I've heard my heavenly father say, What I do thou knowest not now, 
but thou shalt know hereafter. And for my consolation, I repeat, his purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. During my long life, I've had many a hard struggle, with bread to provide and rent to pay, but I never lost faith in the promise, thy bread shall be given, and thy water sure. My constant petition was, give me neither poverty nor riches. This prayer has been answered, and for the past 16 years, my old publishers, the Big Low and Main Company, have, in consideration of my many years of association with them, granted me a regular allowance. Here we are today, the rain's pouring down, the wind's whistling, the day is chilly, yet I am happy as a lark. He who takes care of the sparrow will never forget Aunt Fanny. Tomorrow the sun will be shining, although it is gloomy today. It's worth a thousand dollars a year to look on the bright side of things. Many a storm has beaten on this old bark of mine, but I always enter the harbor singing. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his works in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. I carefully study history, philosophy, and science, Aunt Fanny continued, and was often perplexed about sin in the world. For a long time it was a problem I was unable to solve. I thought about it, dreamed about it, and saw no use for it. Finally I reached the conclusion that this was the best world order that could be conceived, and that if people were in the world without anything to contend with, they would speedily become pygmies. So I stopped troubling about it and made every endeavor to conquer and make the best of it. The sufferings of life caused me no little anxiety. Just as last night's storm banged the boats, the wharfs, and the nets, so sickness comes and tears things apart. While thinking this over, I was consoled by reading, He whom thou lovest is sick. Then I said, Suffering is no argument of God's displeasure. It is a part of the fiber of our lives. So I settled that question and made the best of it. When sorrows came to myself and to my friends, oh, it almost made my heart bleed. And I asked myself, why should I go thus sorrowing? In looking a little deeper, I found sorrow to be one of the threads in the skein of life that must be woven into the warp and woof of existence, and that the things that were too wonderful for me to fathom I must leave in the hands of him who is able to sustain under all circumstances. It was while thinking along those lines that I also thought of some lines I wrote way back in the 70s. This would be the 1870s, little buddies. Never be sad or desponding if thou hast faith to believe. Grace for the duties before thee, ask of thy God and receive. Never be sad or desponding, there is a morrow for thee. Soon thou shalt dwell in the brightness, there with the Lord thou shalt be. Half a lifetime has passed since I wrote those lines, and a thousand one experiences have been mine in the years that lie in between. But nothing has happened or threatened which could have warranted my altering a single syllable or thought they contain. In sunshine and shadow, in sickness and in health, through every step of the journey God has given grace and glory. There's nothing surprising in this. It is according to his promise, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. 
This I have always tried to do, my Savior helping me, and God has looked after the fulfillment of his part of the promise. For me, life has been short of many things that some people would probably rather die than be without. That is their misfortune, not mine. It is not the things I have missed or never had which makes me sorrowful. It is the things I have had in full measure in which I rejoice daily. That's how I feel today. And it was in the same spirit that I wrote the lines which have been proved abundantly true in my own life and work. And this, I think, is from her hymn, God Will Take Care of You. God will take care of you, be not afraid. He is your safeguard through sunshine and shade. Tenderly watching and keeping his own, he will not leave you to wander alone. That's some lovely thoughts, isn't it? You know, this is so good. i got to read you another chapter. This one is called My Love for Children. It starts out with some verses she wrote. They are buds of hope and promise, blessed by him whose name is love. Let us hear to train and nourish for a better life above. Tender plants by angels guarded, clinging vines the children are. Jewels in our hearts to glisten. Precious treasures, oh how fair. I have heard the children singing when my heart was lone and sad. I have heard them in the distance, and their music made me glad. But their voices cheer and charm me in the Sabbath homes they love, and I think they will be sweetest in the saintly choirs above. What a great poet. Ah, what would the world be to us if the children were no more? We should dread the desert behind us worse than the dark before. Please, Aunt Fanny, will you tell us a story? We were gathered under an old apple tree in the merry month of June. A children's party had been arranged for the blind singer, and a dozen children were sitting around her. She was a true child among them. Together they played games, recited pieces, and sang many of Fanny's hymns. Then one of the youngsters asked her for a story. Bless your dear heart, she replied. Of course I will. I have lots of them stored away for children. Then she began. A certain man had two children, a boy and a girl. The lad was a handsome young fellow enough, but the girl was as plain as a girl could be. And provoked beyond endurance by the way her brother looked in the glass and made remarks to her disadvantage, she went to her father and complained of it. The father drew his children to him very tenderly. My dears, he said, I wish you both to look in the glass every day. You, my son, so that seeing your face is so handsome, may take care not to spoil it by ill temper and bad behavior. And you, my daughter, that you may be encouraged to make up for your want of physical beauty by the sweetness of your manners and the grace of your conversation. The children looked gravely at each other, and then one said, Tell us another, Aunt Fanny. She smiled as she drew a little book of four pages from her bag. Turning the first page toward the children, she asked them its color. They all shouted, Black! Well, said Aunt Fanny, that represents sin. I want you to remember that sin ruins the sinner. Sin is always black. It is the transgression of the law. Now, what is this color? Red, was the ready reply. Yes, red, and red is for blood. And I want you ever to remember that you are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Here she quotes scripture. 
Unto him who hath loved us and hath washed us from our sins in his own blood, unto him be honor and praise forever. The next page you see is white. That is for right. Dare to do right. Dare to be true. You've heard the verse which says, Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known. Now, the last page is gold. It stands for glory. He will give you grace and glory all along your pilgrim way. Then this golden color represents the celestial city with its streets of pure gold. Here she paused and bowed her head for a moment. Then she went on. Dear children, I had a little sister once with whom I loved to play. But God's good angel came down and took her to our Heavenly Father's home. And when she went, I wrote these lines. She's gone. Ah, yes, her lovely form too soon has ceased to bloom. An emblem of a fragile flower that blossoms for the tomb. She's gone, yet why should we repine? Our darling is at rest. Her cherub spirit now reclines upon her Savior's breast. A cherub is a type of angel. Aunt Fanny drank her cup of tea with the children, and then she said, Before we go, I will recite you some verses of a poem of mine, written after a person that asked me if I love children. I love you, dear children, with all my heart and soul, and would rather be driven out from among men than to be disliked by children. Here are the verses. Love the children? What a question! Cold indeed the heart must be, that can turn without emotion from their laughter gushing free. Yes, with all my heart I love them. Bless the children, every one. I can be a child among them and enjoy their freaks and fun. Love the children, I can never, never pass them in the street, but my every pulse awaking thrills with love to all I meet. I have heard the children singing when my heart was lone and sad. I have heard them in the distance, and their music makes me glad. The children clung around Aunt Fanny as she entered the house, there to be greeted by the parents of the children at a reception given in her honor. My dear friends, she said, I am so happy to greet you today. I've had a lovely time with your children, and I want now to recite some lines I have specially written for this occasion. Among the honored guests today, within this home I gladly stay. I come your many friends to see and take a social cup of tea. Your floral plan is just the thing. With eager joy its praises ring. And well they may, for too we trace your handiwork in every place. Your dining room arrayed with care, the summer daisies blooming there. Sweet daisies from the meadow green that add new beauty to the scene. But hark, my signal calls away. I would but cannot longer stay. Beloved friends and patrons all, I hope you'll soon return my call. Your daisy chain, your cup of tea, will in my heart remembered be. Isn't that just lovely? What sweet and kind thoughts she's had. And she wrote such beautiful hymns. All the way my Savior leads me. Oh, one of my favorites. But she wrote a bunch. Bunch of my favorites. Okay, okay. 
I can hear you begging me for one more reading from Fanny. So here we go. This one's called American Hearts and Homes. And here's a verse which I guess she wrote. On the standard of freedom my eyes would rest, ere my spirit heavenward roams. I would give the last sigh of a faithful breast to American hearts and homes. For 80 years I've watched the growth of the American home, said Aunt Fanny, and there's nothing that concerns me more than the homes of our dear homeland. We were in the cupola of our house, Fanny and I, where I had taken her after a good night's rest. It was shielded from the wind by a sea view window, and I told her of the old church built in Queen Anne's day that could be seen from where we sat, and which bore the mark of the revolutionary guns. I told her also of the governor's mansion where Benjamin Franklin remained overnight, and of the old families and homes of the town that was four days older than New York. I have a poem, American Hearts and Homes, said Aunt Fanny and I believe that no nation can rise above the level of its home life. In reading The Spirit of the Age, I am somewhat afraid that we are breaking certain ties and permitting certain fires in the home life to die out, which is a menace to our national life. Fine furniture, buildings, and books alone never made a real permanent home. There must be the communion of souls. My home life was such that my days were guarded wheresoever I was. I was taught love, loyalty, and reverence for my nation, and all things good and true. I know it sounds fine to shout for the flag as the standard of our country, but to stand firmly by it in the time of danger is wiser. Aunt Fanny, I said, do you think that the home life of today is changed from that which obtained when you were growing up? For many years I've watched the trend of the people, she answered. And I really do think that the home ties do not bind as strongly as in my girlhood. Many attractions that were quite unknown in my early days are found in every city today. Clubs and society take up so much of a mother's spare time nowadays that there seems scarcely a moment in which to do the work that ought to be done in the home. It may appear a little old fogeyish, but I have firm convictions on this very vital question. It's essential that both in home and state we should know the law of cause and effect. To turn a boat loose on yonder sound to the mercy of wind and tide would we know result in a ruined craft. And just as a boat needs a guiding hand, so the nation and the home need someone at the helm, or the winds and waves of the world will work havoc and disaster. Oh boy, if she can only look forward a hundred and some years and see what What's happening to families today, little buddies, is just amazing. You know that almost half the children in this country are growing up in single-parent homes? Maybe some of you are. And I did. And it's difficult and it's sad. I'm so thankful we have a Heavenly Father who is our eternal parent and can never let us down. In fact, Psalm 27.10 says, If my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up which means that the things that they fail to teach you, to do for you, God will do in some way. Let us be thankful we have a Heavenly Father. What do you think are the safest methods to adopt for home and country improvement, I asked. Aunt Fanny raised her head as if looking towards the sea and said, A few nights ago I sat thinking over a better nation through a better home. The bigger the soil, the richer the crop. The stronger the home, the safer the state. 
I said to myself, Fanny, if this home and this nation is to endure, it must be peaceful. Peace and harmony are the prominent polished pillars of every home and nation. Discord has blighted more firesides and crushed more nations than any other internal foe. The price of peace must be paid, or the solid marble pillar will bend. Prosperity is the goodly child of peace. Aunt Fanny paused and, taking a little New Testament from her bag, continued. When I was a child, this book had a practical place in both home and nation. During these many years, my love for the Holy Bible has not waned. Its truth was not only born with me, it was bred into my life. My mother and grandmother took pains that I knew the Bible better than any other book. All that I am and all that I ever expect to be in literature or life is due to the Bible. Well, do I remember learning that hymn of Charles Wesley. When quiet in my house I sit, thy book be my companion still. My joy thy sayings to repeat, talk o'er the record of thy will. And search the oracles divine till every heartfelt word is mine. I had just returned from the Burns country and told her of the cottage in which Scotland's greatest songster was born. I talked to her of Ayr, of Alloway and Kirk and Dumfries. Then I read several of Burns' poems, finishing with The Cotter, yeah, The Cotter's Saturday Night. This she requested me to read again. When I reached the line, The priest-like father reads the sacred page. That's what I mean, she broke in with. The book must be read by the father in the home. A Scotchman once told me that his country was greatly enriched from the use of the scripture around the fireside. No Christian nation can be great which ignores the sacred book. Read me those lines, commencing, then kneeling down, over again. And her face gleamed as I did so. The kneeling down to heaven's eternal king, the saint, the father, and the husband praise. Hope springs exulting on triumphant wing, that thus they all shall meet in future days, there ever bask in uncreated rays. I find in that verse, said Aunt Fanny, the strength of the nation and the home. And I know that homes cannot exist long as permanent places in uplifting the nation if the heads of the families are prayerless. Neither can the nation rise to its highest with prayerless presidents. Our greatest presidents have been men unfaltering in prayer. The spirit in the Cotter's Saturday night must be carried out. They round the ingle, form a circle wide. The people of the United States must know if the home fails, the church is shorn of its strength. The community crumbles, the state is unstable, the nation doomed. I am an optimist who through the light sees the danger point. If I could direct the reading of the home, I'd save the state. If I could select the friends that frequent the home, I would secure its future. If I could bring the unseen guest into the home and nation, as suggested by Dean Alford, I should be happy. Nothing of education or culture or breeding can take the place of Christ in the home, of Jesus in the heart. His presence alone can prevent selfishness having dominion. And where selfishness is, true happiness can never be found. But with the influence of the master dominant, all is well. 
My bark is wafted to the strand by breath divine, and on the helm there rests a hand other than mine. One who is known in storms to sail I have on board. Above the roaring of the gale I hear my lord. Just then the whistles blew and the dinner bell rang. As we went down to dine, I felt I had been looking out of the sea-view window with one of the great women of our time. And indeed, she had the lady who recorded all this about Fanny. She had been dining with one of, or conversing with one of the great women of her time. And we could use a lot more great people like Fanny in our time, little buddies. And that is what I'm counting on you to become. And you will do so if you'll follow Uncle Rick's advice, the advice that I repeat every week when we do these podcasts together. Always put God first in your life. Be a patriotic American and honor your father and your mother. See you next week, little buddies. God bless. Parents, if your kids love today's visit with Uncle Rick, know that they will love the Uncle Rick Audiobook Club. The Uncle Rick Audiobook Club allows access to dozens more stories, both from the Bible and history, to help your kids learn about godly character. Here's what one parent had to say about the Uncle Rick Book Club. Uncle Rick products are such a delight to our family. Our kiddos listen nightly to the Bible stories and fall asleep listening to God's word. These Bible audios are such a super reinforcement to what we as parents already teach our children. They provide our kids with a kind, gentle voice, pointing them to obey God and his word. Thank you. That was from Shelley. You can access the Uncle Rick book club at UncleRickAudios.com. See you there.